Welcome to the Rise Up Network. I'm your host, James Carmody. The Rise Up Network is committed to sharing the stories of America's servant leaders, those men and women that are out there in the community, in the marketplace, making a difference. I have two great leaders in studio with me, personal friends of mine and business partners in the housing space. I have CEO and founder of the California Home Co., Hennish Pokal. Hennish, welcome. I always have trouble with your name, and I've known you for years. I don't know why I do that. You know, I, I can I always tell people just drop the last name. You just call me Hennish. There's pretty much only one of them. Like, like Prince. Yeah. There's Hennish. Right, that's it. Right? Yeah. I think renovations think Hennish. Yeah, there's no confusion of like, which <laughs> Hennish were you talking about? Yeah, yeah very true. <laughs> so you don't need to clarify. So yeah, the last name is what usually gets people, you can usually get the first name right. There we go. One that's a little bit easier. Miss Kristen Krebs, certified interior designer with Kristen Krebs Designs. Yes. Welcome, Kristen. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So nice thank you both here. for being here. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So we're talking ADUs, we're talking housing. Um, gonna get into all that stuff, but first, you know, give our network a little bit of background. You know, Hennish, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Yeah. What had you get into real estate in the first place? Uh, I, I went, I grew up in Michigan. I went to school at University of Michigan, and as I was interviewing for jobs, I got recruited into a mortgage company. Mm. So I uh, started with mortgage loan processing and underwriting, went into sales business to business, got to do some uh, outsourcing processing for data entry processes, which is really cool. And then um, got to run the REO department. And at that time is when I got my real estate license. So during ah. the last recession, when everyone was getting foreclosed on or banks were taking all these properties back, I had to run that department. From there, I did a few years of consulting before I started my own company in 2014. For so you learned properties. a lot. So I've got a little bit of the background of what happens uh, in a mortgage company from the sales to the operations to the servicing part of it. So definitely know that part. And then since 2007, really learned a lot about real estate because I was in charge of selling thousands of properties. What was it that attracted you to the investing side and then ultimately to rehab and refurbish properties? Um, you know, I, I always have that thought that there's always a better way to do things and I'm always trying to figure that out. And yeah. so when you're when you're working someplace else, you're limited to make those kind of improvements and changes versus if you're working for yourself, I can make those changes based on my best judgment. Yeah. So I, I think that was important and then I thought that I could help people more directly um, in my own company as opposed to being part of a, a, a bigger, massive company. Great, great. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Kristen, you are a native Californian. I am. <laughs> Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Born and raised in Santa Barbara, California. Love that um, Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and then I went to school in San Francisco. I went to the Academy of Art University, got my bachelor's in interior architecture and design, and then went on and got certified in the state of California as a certified interior designer. So it's kind of like an equivalent to the master's degree. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and then um, now I am in the ADU world um, or space within real estate. But before that, I was in vacation rental design. Um, I had oh, a lot wow. of clients in Hawaii, but um, they recently passed some laws that changed all of the uh, short-term rental laws there. So I lost a lot of my clients. So I'm rebuilding and refocusing on ADUs now instead. Great. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for being here. And, you know, ADUs, there's such a need, you know. And why don't you just give a quick little background about, you know, what happened? Obviously, legislation changed in November 2017, and what do you see kind of as, as the opportunity that really just in the beginning of? Well, the fact is that you could build these things a lot cheaper than you can buy real estate, right? So that's the biggest arbitrage part of it. So from a financial aspect, that makes a lot of sense. But we're finding kind of 80/20 type split between clients, 20% that are building it for their family, either to house. Uh, an older 
family member, like a parent or a grandparent, or vice versa, where an older parent is saying, I've got adult children that I want to house in swapping houses. So there's a little bit of that. And 80% are doing it for the financial benefits. And we're finding that there's really no better financial investment you can make, period, to uh, have a secure, safe investment and a return on investment, right? Between the tax strategies and the, the cash that you can earn from building one of these things, even when you finance it, uh, is extremely compelling to the point where um, we, we really need to be sharing this with a lot of people because every month they wait, they're not getting that benefit. So uh, it is a big push to, to spread the word about how beneficial these are to build. But yeah, you're exactly right. Back in 2017, California changed some laws to make it where previously only 5% of homes would have qualified for an ADU. So if mm. you've had people that have looked into this in the past and said, hey, I'd really like to build this for one reason or another, there were, you probably were told no. Now there's a 99% chance you're going to get told yes, that yeah, you can put one on. All the restrictions that were on there before are now pushed away and we're trying to streamline the process so you can get these things built in your property, help alleviate the state's housing crunch that we've got because we've got a massive housing shortage and, and give people places to live. Yeah. Wow. I think, um, you know, to speak a little bit to your points about um, who these ADUs are really designed for or best for. Um, baby boomers are a great opportunity because people can't live off their social security anymore, for baby boomers at least. Right. You know, and they're able to fund their housing that way by adding an ADU. And then millennials, because millennials have a hard time buying pr- houses right now because the prices are so high. But when you add an ADU, then you get rental income, then you can qualify. So it's a nice Love opportunity that. there. Love yeah. that. What do you see, you know, from a cost standpoint? Um, is common, you know, and what are some of the different types of ADUs that people can do? Sure. I mean, there's all kinds of different types. One of the common ones that you see that have already been done a lot in San Diego, whether they've done it with permits or not, are the garage conversions. Someone's taking their one or two car garage and they've put it in a bathroom and a kitchenette and are renting it out, right? Or giving it to a family member. So those are the most common, most affordable, quickest in and out. Uh, All the way up to, we just signed with a client that's building a 1,200 square foot three-bedroom ADU at a cost of 340000 So expecting a number of about $300 per foot is a fair number to expect. You know, there's companies okay. you can definitely pay a lot more for, um, and I'd be leery of the companies that bid a lot less. And so uh, that's kind of the numbers to expect, but what that shouldn't dissuade you if you understand the backside economics of what that will result in. Yeah. So if you can explain how spending that kind of money or getting financing for that kind of um, project could turn into a net benefit from you with just the cash that you can earn and the other tax benefits that you can get out of this thing and the the uh, valuation of that property going to appreciate and uh, everything else it is just so overwhelmingly compelling um, it's hard to ignore this morning yeah. I just had to verify all that with a tax advisor and my CPA to go over all these facts for me personally because mm. I have an ADU behind my house and also so we can share this with other professionals and clients so they understand that, hey, what you thought was going to be your benefit is nowhere near to as big of the benefit you're going to actually get. Wow. So people that are already doing it thinking that they're going to get X, it, it actually might be three, three times X type benefit. Can you give us an obviously, you know, not necessarily specific exact numbers, but maybe an example of a recent scenario that you've been a part of, um, you know, just so our audience an idea like, all right. You know, an average cost might be this. This is what it might look like. Yeah. This is potentially what a payment is, possible rent. Right. So uh, the, the example we went over this morning was you build a, a smaller ADU for $200,000. Okay. And then once you tack on 
um, your operating expenses as a write-off for your gross rent on that thing. So in terms of you're already paying mortgage interest, you got to pay some taxes on it. There's maintenance costs associated with the landscaping. You're paying utilities, you're paying for your water bill, cable, et cetera, et cetera. By the time you write all that off, that could cover 60% of the, the gross rent that you're getting as a write-off. Now the next, wow. the next deductions that you're doing are depreciation, right? And so it's kind of straight line or accelerated depreciation. But the tax advisors I was talking to, what they do is send out an engineer and some specialists to break down the costs of your ADU. So it's kind of audit proof with the IRS and saying, X amount of this is furniture, which depreciates over five years. This amount of this is fixtures, which depreciates over seven years. Uh, and a certain percentage is land improvements, right? The concrete and this connection to sewer and things like that. And that depreciates faster as well versus the entire structure, which is 27 and a half. And a lot of people would just depreciate the entire structure at 27 and a half, but those extra line item deductions really make a big difference where yeah. that's now 80% of your gross rent. Wow. So now with operating expenses and depreciation, you're now writing off 140% of your gross rent. So you're writing off more than you actually earn which can be used to offset your other ordinary income. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> and, and so, I, you know, as I dug into this, does this exclude high, high income earners? If you make over X hundred thousand dollars, are you excluded from this? The answer is no. If, if it's a non-owner occupied property, if it's an investment property you have and you build one of these, does the benefit deteriorate or diminish? The answer is no. In fact, it's even more palatable or more uh, beneficial for a non-owner occupied property as well over your own primary residence. So really, wow. really, really compelling when you understand the tax benefits that you can you can put in place with the right strategies and how much more compelling it is than just your cap rate or your net cash flow yeah. without doing the tax strategies properly. As long as you have the right professional. Right, as long as you <laughs> so have the right professional. And that's true along <laughs> yeah. for every step of the phase, right? Yeah. If you don't have the financing yeah. right, if you don't have the design right, you right. don't get the right rent. So when yeah. you talk to your tax specialist, it, none of it's moot if you're not getting what you could. Because yeah. right? every, yeah. every, every, every choice you make could make a 10 to 30% difference yeah. in the yeah. final result. Mm -hmm. and Kristen, can you speak to that a little bit about you know putting together the right team, having the right professionals on board? people begin this process yeah I mean I would definitely make sure you vet out your your professional that you are working with you know it is very important that they have done an ADU before because the laws change so often and so um, frequently really even to this day um, and will probably continue to change um, it's very important to get the right professional in there but also to um, pick out the right finishes for your property as well you know if you were to do a long-term rental um, there are certain finishes you might want to consider like vinyl flooring something that's gonna last a long time mm. um, or if you are just doing uh, an investment property um, maybe you want to consider putting in maybe like a marble countertop or something like that that way it does add value to your property like you mentioned with the the value add um, I mean adding an ADU to your property in general adds value regardless but adding certain types of finishes will actually you know add even more value to your property which then you can depreciate and you can turn that into profit it's true <laughs> what are you, what are you seeing tend to be kind of the most popular you know is it is it the garage conversion is it add-on to the current home is it standalone unit you know you're seeing more demand for one versus the others Definitely garage conversions. I garage see a lot conversion. of garage okay. conversions. Yep, I actually live in an ADU, um, which is a garage conversion, um, and I am planning on converting another garage into an ADU as well. So, um, yeah, I know this. I know this firsthand. But um, yeah, definitely garage conversions are the most common, and they tend to be mostly from the clients that I've 
been in contact with, it's mostly for family members. Mostly so for family members. Yeah, usually older, younger, kind of split. Usually older. Um, okay. At least the people that I end up working with, they tend to be a little bit older. They usually have a home. They maybe have a, a health concern that they want to consider, so then they want to move into the ADU, which is usually on their children's yeah. property. So yeah, yeah. that, that the, the the bulk of the ones that I'm seeing are older parents that kids that are 40, 50, 60 years old that want to keep mom, dad, who's 70, 80 years old, close by and not in a nursing home. Yeah, that's, a, that's what I see the most of, yeah. too. Hennish, what do you see? So on the garage conversion side, you know, someone's listening to this or, you know, they have a client that is thinking about that. What are some of the pitfalls and things <laughs> people need to think about in the garage conversion? You know, what are some big do's and don'ts? The, the biggest thing I see is that people think that it should be a lot cheaper than it is, right? And then when we explain- what do you mean tiny house, not tiny cost? Yeah, so you know, HGTV <laughs> is not our friend in this situation because they're yeah. kind of doing miracles on those TV shows and, and we, we live in the real world in virtual. Right, and that's so, reality. Um, so you know, when we mentioned to them that you know, if you want a kitchen, you gotta put in cabinets and appliances, right? And then also the plumbing associated with it. So if you've got a slab on grade concrete floor for your garage, which everyone does, you got to cut through that concrete and put in a new sewer line right? to connect to your each mm. sink, to each toilet, to each shower, to each bathroom that you've got. Uh, and that takes a lot of work. Right. And, to con and if you don't have water already in your unit or even if you do, you have to add all that extra plumbing. Right. Now you still have to add an HVAC system because you need heating and cooling in this space. Is your garage insulated? Well, you got to put that in there. Right. So all these kind of infrastructure or the, um, the, 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 the things that make up the house that you don't think about need to be put in there behind the walls, right? The insulation, the plumbing, the electrical. Does it have windows, egress, ingress? Do you have to reframe things to put in doors? Because you can't just put a door in. You have to reframe it, mm. right? You have to reframe, you have to re you have to reframe <laughs> it. So, so, um, so there's all this extra complexity that people don't think about. It's like, just slap in, a, uh, slap in a kitchen with some counters. And I'm like, well, then what? You know, did you want a sink? You know, because <laughs> right. the, you know, they right. have to, we have to cut into concrete for that. And yeah. so um, that's the kind of the biggest thing that people don't think about is that there is all this other behind the scenes work that needs to happen before you can have a pretty garage conversion that you can rent for a reasonable amount yeah. unless you want people taking bucket showers. <laughs> Got it. I mean, so, regardless, uh, you have to add a kitchen and a bath to a yeah. space. So yeah. those costs don't go away. No matter how you break down an ADU, whether you have one bedroom, three bedrooms, it doesn't matter. You still have to have a kitchen and a bathroom. So that's where your costs are really going to add up more yeah. than anything else. The bedrooms don't add up that much as much as a kitchen and bathroom would do. So. Kitchen and bathroom, plumbing, <laughs> makes sense. Right. And just talk about, you know, I'm listening to this. I, I think I want to do this. Where do I start? What's the process? And then how do I build my team? Who do I talk to first? And, and where do I go to find my professionals? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a few different ways you can start. One is, you know, does your property have the right size and space and logistics to accommodate what you'd like to build? Um, and then as soon as you figure that out, which you can usually do from, from anywhere from free to $250 to okay. do an assessment to say, is what I want possible? Got it. Is this reality? Can right. I do this? Can I do this? And yep. then the second part is, can I pay for this? Which is when someone has to talk to someone like you that says, right. let's look at your finances, let's look at your equity, and let's see what we can do in terms of the loan products that are available, what you've got as a house, and your other factors as your background to see how we can get you that money. Yeah. And then after that point, then you're off Which to the races. Which is important. And unfortunately, people come to me last, and I'm either I'm the dream maker or the dream killer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so keep going. So, yeah, so, so absolutely. So financing. So you, so you figure out if you can do it, then you figure out can you pay for it. 
And, yep. and then you got to start choosing your team, right? Yeah. So now who's your preferred go-to for architect, mm. for construction, for design? Uh, and then between those three parties and your finance, that's pretty much all you need to get it done. Uh, but it's good to have those people integrated from the get-go so you can make sure that you're staying on budget, on time, and you're getting built what you want, right? And so it's it's too often that we hear people like, oh, we're going to wait till we get through the plans and, and permits before we even interview contractors. And I think that's a bad idea because yeah. you might find out that your architect that wants to be on the cover of Architect Magazine just built you a, a, an ADU is going to cost you half a million dollars when you right. had a $300,000 budget, right? Well, and so, <laughs> so, you know, we find that when we get to work with the architects, we can get them to build and design according to their budget based on how much we know the thing is going to cost. Uh, and so if you get the, us involved at the beginning, you don't have to necessarily choose us to say you're definitely going to do this, but at least we can give feedback to your architect and saying, here's what we need to do, right? Unless you've picked an architect that knows and has done and has experience with these, then great. But a lot of them haven't still. It's mm -hmm. still kind of relatively new. So if they're used to building multi-million dollar custom homes, you're not going to get a budget ADU. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, after the ADU is built, then you either want to rent it out. So maybe a property manager is involved. Yep. Of course, you want to then involve your CPA and your, any other tax rel you know, professionals that can help you out with the how to make profit off of it. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, <laughs> right. I forgot about that, but the, having the, the tax advisors that are available from the get-go to make sure you're structuring this and keeping track of your numbers properly, they can also model out what that'll look, for, look like for you at the end of the day. So probably right after they talk to their mortgage person, it would be worthwhile getting their tax professionals involved to say, what's this look like for me next year? Yeah. And then obviously we, we, we got to stage it, we got to decorate it, we got to make it inhabitable. Yeah, exactly. Got to furnish the place now. <laughs> that makes a big difference, right? I mean, I've seen it this uh, from your posts as well, but I know this just from you know hiring your company to, to uh, design my place um, is that when you make it look pretty, like you, you get a very tangible return on investment. Yes. And yeah. so people people when they see a good space versus just a mediocre space mm -hmm. are happy to pay extra for it. Yep, definitely. And and these are small small spaces, you know, there is limits to what kind of furniture you can put in the space and you want to make sure that you consider that before trying to move from one, you know, 2000 square foot house into a 200 square foot ADU that you're not going to fit any of your furniture in there. So. Which is what you basically <laughs> did. But that's exactly a, that, that's what I did. That's a big point. I mean, because my ADU behind my house is 875 square feet. And the most common thing people tell me after they see it is it seems a lot bigger. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, that's because it was designed properly. Yeah. Right. Yep. So if you design it properly, yeah. 875 square feet can be plenty. Yeah, definitely. Where where can people find you guys? What takeaways do you want people listening to this? What actions do you want people to take? Uh, for me, you know, my big push this year is to connect with other professionals okay. that, that can understand the higher level tax strategies, the financials, and, and the compelling reason why. So they can share with their clients right, directly and say, hey, this is a really smart financial strategy for you. Right? It's a great opportunity for you to, to put this into place right away. So my big goal for 2020 is to connect with the CPAs with the financial advisors, the property managers, and, and other brokers and attorneys that have clients that trust their financial judgment and explain to them how this works. Because what we're finding is that a lot of clients, if they're not, if this isn't their livelihood, this is, it's hard for them to understand, right? If sure. Even right. if you're an engineer or a nurse or a doctor, this isn't your daily day-to-day -day business. It's hard to understand. So I'm trying to connect with the professionals that can, that can break it down for them. And Hennish, how do we find you? Yeah, you can find me on my website easy. I'm at calhomeco.com. It's C-A-L-H-O-M-E-C-O.com. And then any of that contact information gets to me pretty quickly. 
Fantastic. And obviously you're on social media and Facebook, Instagram. I'm one of the few Hennishes, probably the only one in San Diego. I think there's a few others in the United States. <laughs> okay. And Kristen? Um, so you can find me on my website, Kristen Krebs Interiors. That's Kristen with a Y and then an I at the end. Got it. Um, and all of my social media is connected on there as well. And then um, I, my goal for at least this year is to um, – really be out there educating people and mm. to um, kind of stop the misinformation that there is out there. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there kind of teaching things that may be out of date. So trying to make sure everybody is up to date on what is current and what is legal. Yes, <laughs> yes, most important to keep up to date. But thank you so much for taking the time. I mean, this is a topic that is so important. We're really in the early stages of this. You know, so, so glad, Kristen Krebs, that you spent some time with us. Yeah, thank you. Hannah's California Home Co. Thank you guys so much. Folks, you know, obviously we're going to have everything at sdriseup.com, but go track Hanish down on Facebook, his website. He's got an awesome team, a beautiful showroom. Get educated on, you know, what's possible they can do for you. Check out Kristen. She's got some really cool designs and ideas, you know, because it is a different space that you're designing, you know, and, and how you actually think through that process makes such a difference. But thank you both for sharing your expertise. Folks, get educated. Get out there. Rise up. Rise up.